Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Monsters Never Die, Talk Film Society's spooky season limited series. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Curione, editor-at-large over at Talk Film Society, and joining me on this journey through the classics and beyond is... Jacob DeNoble, monster creep and friendly dude. How you doing, friendly dude? <laughs> I'm doing great. I uh, panicked on thinking of an intro line. Oh, it's fine. I mean, it's been a while since we recorded, but now we're here today uh, to discuss Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, and the bride of Frankenstein. God bless them both. I don't want to get yelled at by people who say, well, actually, uh, Frankenstein was the monster. Because if you get down to it, Frankenstein was the monster. Yeah, all right. Thank you. The I, man, I'm glad the we're man starting Frankenstein. here. Because you know what? I am going to call the monster Frankenstein as much as I goddamn well please. Yes. And you can't guess stop what? me. Guess what? Dr. Frankenstein, kind of a monster himself. Yeah. There's a lot of Frankenstein monsters in the story of Frankenstein. Yeah. He's not exactly a great guy. But we'll we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, today uh, we're going to be starting off talking about um, 1931's Frankenstein, starring uh, Kong Clive as Henry Frankenstein. Absolutely love him. Uh, Boris Karloff as the monster, or if you watch the movie in the credits, he is listed as question mark. I got to think that Karloff lost some money on that one. And, well, he's credited uh, at the end. Okay, good. He's okay. question mark at the beginning, and then at the end, he's uh, I think he's just Karloff. Okay, and this movie, of course, directed by legendary big ol' queen, James Whale. One of my favorite directors of all time. Agreed. Uh, I've only seen his horror films. Oh. I've seen I've seen the four of them that I've the, that I've seen. I've seen four horror films by him. Uh, so I've seen this. I've seen Bride of Frankenstein. I've seen Invisible Man. I've seen The Old Dark House, which I adore. With all of my heart. Uh, I kind of wish we could spend a whole episode talking about The Old Dark House. It is marvelous. I saw it for the first time at Quad Cinema in New York last year in That's fantastic. And it was just the best experience of my life. Yeah, they just did a whole new uh, restoration of that one. I I have an old, old DVD. I really need to upgrade to the uh, the Blu-ray. But yeah, we'll talk a little bit about uh, James Whale in a little bit. But uh, let's talk about Frankenstein based on the original novel by... Mary Shelley, Frankenstein, or the Modern Prometheus? Mm-hmm. I haven't read that book in about twenty years. Oh, I've read it multiple times. It's okay. Um, it's up there with Wuthering Heights as one of my two favorite novels. Nice. I remember really liking it, and the first time I saw this movie, it didn't do much for me. Really? When I was younger, mm-hmm. watching it in the last few years, a few times, it's become one of my favorites. <laughs> I really love this film. Yeah, I think. It's a toss-up between this and Bride as the crown jewel of the Universal Monster series. God bless James Whale for that. Yeah, and uh. I, I would say the number three film is The Invisible Man. I think James Whale was the best director they had working on these, and every time he came to he came to play it, he hit one out of the park. He totally did. In this movie, uh, you can really see, like like you said in the Dracula episode, this movie feels almost modern. Yes. Uh, Compared to other movies of its era, including uh, Todd Browning's Dracula. I mean, Whale had a real cinematic eye, uh, which I don't think Browning really did. One of the things that I love about this movie is the framing and just how just how much vertical usage they get out of this, mm-hmm. out of the Academy ratio. Like, And the, the sets look huge. Yes, and there's just no wasted real estate. Nope. The people are dwarfed by these... You know, 
building the castle vertically and upwards and creating that almost that lightning motion. I think it's just an absolutely marvelous idea and technique. And it's just, oh, my God, I could gush about this movie for 10 hours. Uh, and I really, really real quick, I want to talk about Colin Clive. Yes. Absolutely love him as Dr. Frankenstein. He is completely unhinged. Mm-hmm. Basically from frame one, even when he's trying to pull off like, hey, I'm a normal guy. Nope. No, you're not. You're playing with corpses. Uh, you're a weird, weird fella. And hey, you discovered how to bring something back to life. Good for you. I think they tapped into a little bit of Colin Clive's actual unhingedness uh, for for the role because he was a uh, he was a, a a terrible alcoholic. Not, not oh, well, you can kind of tell. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I think it actually it, it feeds into the way that he plays the character a little. In yeah. that it this is an addiction he has. He doesn't want to be making these monsters maybe about like halfway through but he just can't stop himself yeah i mean i mean you you bring up the fact that oh he's an alcoholic in the 30s (laughs) i would never guess that yeah (laughs) a big movie star in the 30s drinking it up (laughs) i am so shocked that he had a drinking problem uh this is also um i think uh jack pierce He did the terrific uh, makeup effects on the monster, and holy crap, uh, that is some pretty damn good makeup. I mean, it is Frankenstein's monster. Like, that's what you, that's what you think of when you hear Frankenstein. You think bolts coming out of the neck, big old forehead, and a flat top. And there's so much subtle work done on the on the monster's makeup that I think really sells it. There's the fact that Karloff, you know, took out his dental appliance so that his face sinks in on the one end. Which is creepy. It's very creepy. And it, yeah. it's, it's a shame he couldn't do that for Bride since he had to talk. Um, yes. I love which, that. Which he didn't like. Yeah. Uh, but I love. Yes. No. We'll I mean, get to that in a few minutes. <laughs> I love that the jacket doesn't fit him right. And so his arms yes. stick out under the sleeves. And it, it just makes them look so long. And he just feels so angular. And you have those cool scars like on his hands and like forearms. Yes. He truly does feel like a corpse not even a corpse brought to life. He feels like a new creature made of corpses, which is exactly yes. what he's supposed to. And I think something a lot of Frankenstein movies don't actually feel like. They look like... A big old dude. They Yeah, either a big old dude or, you know, oh, this is a couple of people, but they, you know, they all were living. And it's just... Yeah. This is Frankenstein. This is what yes. the monster looks like. Yes, I I absolutely really like this movie. I love that it opens up with a warning to the audience. That warning is marvelous. It's a great idea to start your movie that, that way. And I love that it's Edward Van Sloan, who is also in the movie yes. later on. And yep. it, the thing it always reminds me of, which they were, you know, they're obviously calling back to this kind of thing are the uh, the Simpsons Halloween episodes in okay. the early years when they would always have Marge come out and do her warning. Fun story about that. I saw those Simpsons episodes years before I saw this movie. Oh, same. So I'm always just like, I'm always like, oh, this is, this is the Simpsons. This is the, she, he's playing Marge right now. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, the great introduction stuff. actually wasn't originally part of the film. Um, okay. They, they ran a test screening and audiences were so like horrified and shocked that they thought, okay, well we should throw in kind of, kind of a warning, you know, for folks yeah. who are coming into this. Honestly, I think it has the opposite effect. I think it's genuinely very spooky to have someone just be like, this movie's hey, going to mess you up. Kid. Yeah. We're going to scare the pants off of you. 
Yeah. Leave now. Yeah, you should not watch this. I Are love his heart? boy. We warned you at the end. Yeah, it's so yeah. it's fun, and uh, that's all James Whale right yeah. there. You could easily see James Whale coming out on stage, being like, "Hey, kids, I'm gonna mess you up <laughs> for a long time. Uh, stick around if you think you can handle it. I warned you." Yeah. He doesn't get quite as much opportunity to play with his kind of comedic fun side in this one as he does in Bride, but it's still oh, definitely there, and it's still baked into the film. Yeah, this movie works, uh, especially since it's barely over an hour long. Yep. I absolutely... Oh, man, this is a movie you could just throw on and be like, I'm going to put this on while I'm doing dishes. The- and, and now it's done. Oh, lovely. It's... I have a theory that I think Frankenstein is a story that is so perfectly suited for cinema. And it's because mm-hmm. film is obviously, you know, especially at least back in the day, 24 frames per second. And when you're sitting in a theater and you're watching a film, what you are watching are dead still images that have had current run through yeah. them and they are brought to life before your eyes. And it creates new life out of these separate dead things and i think because of that frankenstein is just the most cinema movie there can be yeah it's this is movie yes i i love the flow of this thing i i love all the imagery uh i love how gruesome it gets yes uh which calls back to what you were saying how modern it feels Mm -hmm. this movie doesn't really pull punches and there's scenes in this that are like they still get to you even now. Like there's there's the scene with the little girl, yes, the, which every which a ton of movies uh, call back to. I mean, even in I don't know if you saw the trailer for Doctor Sleep, mm-hmm. that's there. Yeah, that 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 scene is there. I mean, I was reading up on this film how like a lot of this movie had to be like cut and censored. Yep, which may be the reason that it is only a, a little over an hour long. <laughs> well, I think the version we have is. Largely complete. Yes. Uh, for the most part, this movie is complete as to what it was. But, I mean, back in the day, you know, that scene had to be shortened. Yep. A bunch of different edits had to be made. I mean, different scenes had to be cut or shortened. Yeah, that we lost the line of, now I know what it feels like to be God. Which is a shame. <laughs> I, it's the one of the best lines in the film, and they, they had to cut it. Yep. This movie, it holds up to this day. I... Love it. I, watching it recently, I realized just how damn good Karloff is. Yes. In this movie. Like, he has no dialogue, obviously, but he carries himself as this creature, as this question mark of a being. And I just absolutely love him. It actually inspired me to go pick up, uh, I went to the local movie shop, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. It's SNFYE. It's garbage. But they had a Boris Karloff collection of, like, six movies for, like, five bucks. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to check out a few of those. And uh, I would definitely like to see more of uh, Mr. Karloff. Yes. No, he is is the best. And um, I think one of the great calculations in this film was to really... They never shy away from the monster's monstrousness. You know, he kills a small child. He, you know... He definitely kills a small child, yes. The film is also intent on making sure that you have empathy for this monster. Mm -hmm. And it's not even, it's not in the background, it's not subtle, it is a central theme of Frankenstein the novel, and I think it's something that they rightly carried through to the film, which is that Frankenstein the novel is a, 
it is a story about the horrors of a lack of empathy. Yes. You know, it's also a great story of the other. Yes. Uh, which is a thing that I latch on to, and I would probably thank James Whale for... I think there's a reason James Whale agreed to make Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, because uh, he was very openly gay mm-hmm. in a time where not popular at all. Mm-hmm. Like that. Normally, that would just torpedo your career back then. You had to keep things under wraps and keep it quiet. Uh, James Whale went all out. Uh, he was like, well, this is what I'm going to do, and let's see where it can get me. Yeah. And, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it, it feeds into the film, and I think, you know, it, obviously, I think the, the queer content picks up a lot in Bride, but oh, it is... yes. We'll talk about Dr. Pretorius. <laughs> <laughs> it's still kind of a central aspect to, to, to Frankenstein. You know, one of the pieces that really stuck out to me on this, on this recent watch is, you know, the Baron... And he, you know, he hears that Frankenstein is just locked up in his, in his castle, and he goes, "Oh, he he must have a woman up there." And yes. everybody's like, "Well, I don't know." And uh, then you immediately maybe. Cut to him, and it's him and Fry, you know, working on creating this, this yes. man together. And I just, <laughs> it's it's and, just such a great in just seven days he will yeah. make you a man. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> yeah, I'll be referencing Rocky Horror from time to time. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> Yes, uh, you know, you, gotta stay on brand. You, you rightly should. Um, <laughs> so, in the last episode, I, I mentioned my, my my piece about Rocky Horror, and I think one of the references that goes over a lot of people's heads, just because I think it's a lot less famous than the Universal Frankenstein mm-hmm. films, is that the tub, the container with the red bars and the the kind of the the frosted glass, yes, is directly taken from Hammer's Frankenstein mm-hmm. adaptation. Okay. And when Frankenstein comes out and he's wrapped in the mummy, that is exactly how Christopher Lee is wrapped in uh, Hammer's Frankenstein. I need to see these movies. I haven't seen any of the Hammer Frankensteins. Oh, that's... We can get to that in a a minute, but... uh, Okay. They're they're marvelous. Okay, so this movie, uh, it basically... It runs through the basic beats of the Frankenstein story that we all know. He gets the, uh, the abnormal brain... Uh, we know that uh, I, young Frankenstein. <laughs> I don't love the abnormal brain. I think like I think it's a fun bit. It adds a little bit of comedy. I, I it, it feels a little eugenicsy to me. Okay, yeah, and I think it also takes away from. Honestly, I can't decide if it plays to or against the themes because the idea that the monster is driven to do evil because it has a bad brain. I think it's is kind of contrary to the story that they're telling where, you know, Frankenstein, a lot of people read this as, oh, it's a story about how you shouldn't play God. And I think if, especially in the novel and in most of the, in some of the adaptations, at least, that's not actually the narrative they're telling. The, t- the Frankenstein's main flaw, his main sin isn't playing God. It's turning his back on the monster once he's created it. Yes. And it's it's his revolt. He throws him away. This thing that he's done. This. Well, he made it. He should not be so disgusted by it. Yes, he saw it happening. Yeah, you know, it's like, dude, you you made this thing. You sewed it together. <laughs> Did you think that once it came to life, it would be beautiful? I, I once compared it to. What hell's wrong know, with you? The 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 fervor in which you write a first draft, and then the second you yes. turn your editor's eyes on to it, and you go, oh no, what have I done? Oh, what is this? I feel like I can I can relate to Frankenstein in that in a small way right there. But yeah, but yeah, do I love this movie? And now we're going to talk about its sequel, The Bride, 
of Frankenstein. Double masterpiece, somehow. This is... I prefer this one. I think this movie is freaking phenomenal. Yes. It is very gay. Uh, <laughs> like, yep. like, James Whale is just... Okay, if in Frankenstein he was at, he's working at like ninety five percent, here he's about one hundred and fifty percent, just going all at it. Uh, this movie is fun. Uh, it's camp. It's got some terrific uh, supporting performances. Mm-hmm. Who plays uh, uh, Ernest uh, Thesiger? Yes, uh, plays Doctor Septimus Pretorius, who I like to refer to as the Mad Queen. Uh, he is. Off the charts. Like, he is John Waters as a mad scientist. I love Dr. Pretorius. Speaking of supporting characters, I love Una O'Connor. Una O'Connor's the best. Anytime she pops up in a James Whale film, whether it be this or The Invisible Man, uh, I believe she was even in a movie I watched that was from the 30s called Cavalcade, where I wasn't really paying attention because the movie wasn't very good, but then I heard that voice and yep. my eyes lit up. And I was like, oh, it's her. Oh, fantastic. This movie gets an extra star just because Una O'Connor is in it. She pops uh, up in surprising places. I saw her in uh, Christmas in Connecticut not too long. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, people hate her. I've talked to people and they're like, she's the worst part of any of these movies. And I don't talk to those people anymore. I can understand it, but they're wrong. They're very wrong. She has a terrific comedic ti- uh, comedic timing. Yes. And it works. And she is totally on James Whale's level. Like She joined like his little troupe of actors. And bless her for it. Yes. Una O'Connor is terrific. Yeah. Uh, the first time film. I saw this film, I was doing a New Year's Eve marathon of all the Frankenstein films. Because okay. that's the <laughs> kind of life I live. I was alone. <laughs> And so Aww. the first time I saw this it was back to back with the original. And it took me maybe about 20, 30 minutes to get onto the wavelength of the fact that, you know, this is a very different film than the original. This is a very different tone. It is definitely a continuation. It is definitely an exploration yes. of the same themes, but it is its own thing. You know, it's totally way. its own thing. Uh, I love that uh, Karloff's monster speaks. Yes. In this movie has some of my favorite lines. Uh, in a horror movie, uh, she hate me. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, we belong dead. That's... Holy crap! That that line hit me like a ton of bricks this time. Yeah. Uh, when I watched it, I I love the scene with the, the the blind man. I yes, I I love that they they essentially scoured the novel for what didn't we adapt the first time? What didn't we put in? And uh, another thing, let's go back. The intro with Mary Shelley is so perfect. Is awesome. Uh, and I love it's the same actress who eventually goes on to play the bride. Yes. It's so, it's interesting. I feel like Shelley shows up in Frankenstein adaptations much more than... Like, I've never seen an adaptation of Dracula where Bram Stoker, Bram Stoker shows, shows up. Yeah, I no, have seen no, no, no. multiple Frankenstein movies where Mary Shelley shows up as a character. There's, well, um, she was fascinating on her own right. Yes. Oh, so you yes. might as well make I, a movie character out of, yeah. out of her. Have you ever seen Frankenstein Unbound? It was no. Roger Corman's last directorial film. No. It's, what? It's not great, but it is very okay. interesting. It's got okay. um, Raul Julia as... Okay, yes, please. Yes. You sold me already. It's um, John Hurt, and it has ah, time travel. So, okay. All right. Wow. 
It's sure, yeah. It's extremely odd, but um, Mary Shelley is one of the main characters in it because the wow. character travels back to Mary Shelley's time when she's writing Frankenstein oh about people that she knows because she knows Frankenstein and that he's making a monster. That's fantastic. Okay, I need to see this. The Frankenstein Unbound. It's called. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll see this. Yeah, John Hurt and Raul Julia, Bridget Fonda, Jason Patrick. What year did this come out? 1990. Okay, yes. Sign me the hell up. Eleven and a half million dollar budget. Whoa, Corman. Oh, that's, that's Jesus Corman, he blew it all on his yeah. last <laughs> Lord. He's been he was saving that money for decades. <laughs> Wouldn't give Joe Dante a dime, but he'll uh spend eleven million on himself. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, I let's go back to Pretorius. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, we, we've gotten Okay. Up. Pretorius is a weirdo. Oh yeah. Absolutely love his little little people that he makes. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, look what I did, Frankenstein. I made little humans. Uh, <laughs> Those people which, are... S- which never comes back yep. in the movie. It's just it's just one throwaway scene where he's like, I have tiny people in jars. Check it out, buddy. I love the implication <laughs> that it is so much easier to make a tiny human being out of nothing than it yes. would be to bring a dead person to life. Exactly. <laughs> like... All Frankenstein seems to do is strike things with lightning. Like, it doesn't seem like his method is that hard. No, but apparently it's very difficult. But making tiny people is apparently much easier. Yes. Uh, Good for Pretorius for pulling that off. He is so over-the-top and flamboyant. Um, He's what I imagine someone like Joel Schumacher would be as, like, a mad scientist. (laughs) You You are not wrong there. Just like Pretorius walking in a room saying, like, in the 70s, I slept with 40,000 women or 40,000 men. Oh, sure you did, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My memory is hazy, but I definitely remember 40,000. Sure. (laughs) All right. Yes. So you slept with everyone in Rhode Island. Good for you. Uh, (laughs) I ran the numbers on on Shoemaker's claim, and you know what? It's possible. (laughs) I honestly believe it. Uh, Good. But good for him yeah. for pull, pulling that off. That's a number. That's like Gene Simmons numbers <laughs> right there. Uh, bless him. Uh, but yeah, Pretorius is great. Uh, he's my favorite addition to the Frankenstein uh, mythos. And it's a shame that his character never returns in any other adaptation ever. Nowadays, he would have gotten a spinoff series. Yeah. Like a spinoff franchise. Like, let's give Dr. Pretorius a series. Why not, right? People like that. Ten episodes on Netflix. Do it. I, so uh, this is this is jumping to the wrong franchise, but uh, Tom Cruise is the Mummy instead of Russell Crowe as Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. What mm. if Doctor Pretorius is that connective tissue character? But I would not have liked Russell Crowe to play Doctor Pretorius. No, that would have been a horrible. Comedy. I don't think he could have pulled that off at all. I think your initial instinct to say John Waters is the correct one. That would have been terrific. <laughs> He's he's Dr. Pretorius for me. I would like, yes, John Waters, play this mad scientist. I'm sorry, I'm just, I, I am now lost in thought at imagining Tom Cruise military man being like, I'm fighting a mummy, and then John Waters just coming in and being like, Are you, honey? Wonderful. <laughs> honey, I've done that for years. <laughs> this movie's great. I love that the monster talks. Like I said earlier, I know that Karloff didn't like it, but... Some people can be wrong. Yes, yeah. I, I think Karloff was afraid that it made the monster too sympathetic. And, I mean, so the character truly does kind of become heroic-ish. Not heroic, but he is... Your he sympathy lies with yeah. Frankenstein's monster in this film. Yes. Like, uh, I really like him in this. I think 
this is one of Karloff's like better performances that I've seen. Yes, I definitely. actually prefer this performance to his performance in the first one. Yes, well, uh, yeah, you know, he has more to do, and the, the has, scene with the blind man is, you know, oh, there's a reason that it's iconic. There's a reason it is the scene. Yes, it's like the character defining scene for Frankenstein, other than when he finally meets his betrothed. Yes, and uh, let's get to her. Yes, uh, another character that like is rarely revisited. Which kind of upsets me. Yes. Every once in a while, you'll get a bride character, but nothing this effective. Nothing this creepy. Yeah. Uh, she makes these really weird, like, cat noises. Mm-hmm. And her no hiss thanks. when she he, hisses he's and like for the the uh, the lever that's going to destroy them all. She hisses like she'll like make like a weird like like weird like cackling noise, yep. but like not. It's some really creepy shit. And, uh, wow. That, yeah. Uh, she's really good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elsa Lancaster, Lanchester played her. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Terrific. It's, it's a shame she only, you know, she's only in the movie for maybe four minutes. If that, maybe five, but it, maybe, but it's instantly iconic. That design is also, you know, marvelous. You do feel the tension where they're operating under the idea that, well, she's a woman. She can't be ugly. So they yeah. they hide the scar along her chin line, but still that shock of hair, that the the gown that doubles as a wedding dress. Mm-hmm. It's Oof. I think one everything of things, everything about it is iconic. Yes. And And rightfully so. And for less than five minutes of screen time. One of the things though that I think the iconography of it is so strong, but we so often see her when she does come back, usually in merchandise or in, mm-hmm. you know, just the iconography, she's always paired with Frankenstein because, you know, she's, quote unquote, the bride of Frankenstein. She's the bride, but, yes. Which is forgetting that her first and really only action is to completely reject him. Oh, yeah. She just doesn't care for him. Not one bit. So it's always... She's, she screams when she sees him. Yes. <laughs> and it's always uncomfortable to me to see them paired together as a unit or be like, you know, this, yeah. this is our love. This is, and it's, you know, this is a story of somebody who, you know, she was it's, designed it, with no agency, but her first action is to make a choice. Uh, so you would say this one's pretty damn good. I, yeah. Like I said, I, I vacillate between which is the better film between this and the original. I think Bride of Frankenstein definitely has the higher highs. Um, I like the through line of the original a little more. I think it's, mm-hmm. It it just barrels through from the first scene to the end. It just but, goes for it, yeah. Right. And Bride has more kind of ebbs and flows, but I think as a whole, you know, there's just no denying how powerful this movie is. And plus it has Pretorius. And it has Pretorius. God, I love Pretorius, my God. He's wonderful. Let's talk about what what was uh, what's a major remake in the middle that you'd like to Well so discuss? I I do uh, want to just briefly touch upon the uh, the universal sequels. Um I don't think they Okay, yes, please play. do. Yes. And so Frankenstein I haven't seen them. <laughs> I consider Frankenstein to be the crown jewel of the Universal series. And I think it's because the sequels are all actually very good in a way that mm-hmm. you know none of the other monsters they get, you know, one or two good entries, but a lot of them are kind of the same thing. You know, Dracula's daughter is interesting, but you you know, we've lost Lugosi already. And It's a good song. Yes. <laughs> and the mummy 
quickly becomes its own thing where it's a whole new mummy and it's kind of a proto slasher, but every mummy sequel is exactly identical to every other mummy sequel. Yeah. But the Frankenstein films stay interesting and stay compelling throughout the whole series. So the third is son of Frankenstein, which I really need to see apparently. And honestly, if you have seen young Frankenstein, you have seen son of Frankenstein. Cool. I love young Frankenstein. (laughs) <laughs> Nobody, because Son of Frankenstein is so much less popular than the original and Bride, people don't realize how closely Young Frankenstein follows it. There is a one-armed inspector with a wooden arm that he moves around. Excellent, he, yes. He oh, comes man. directly from the Universal film. Fantastic. It's about, you know, as the title says, the son of Frankenstein coming to town and everyone hating him because his dad made a bunch of monsters. And then he gets drawn back into doing this. And Son of Frankenstein introduces my personal favorite unsung Universal monster character. And it's one that everybody thinks they know, but nobody actually knows. And that's Igor. Ooh. Now, in the original... Frankenstein. Frankenstein has a hunchbacked assistant. Fritz. Fritz. Yes. Fritz is a dick, by the way. Fritz is... I didn't didn't mention that earlier. Fritz is an asshole. Yeah, Fritz kind of takes a lot of Dr. Frankenstein's most negative characters, and they kind of push it off onto him so that Colin Clive can still slightly be the hero by the end of the movie. Yeah. But, so Igor is played by Bela Lugosi. Okay, yeah, I do need to see this. And he is a murderer... Who was okay. who was hanged, and his okay. neck broke, but he didn't die. So cool. legally, they can't hang him again. <laughs> so he's it's like a double jeopardy situation. Yes. So he's walking around with his neck bone sticking out of his neck. Uh, okay. And he is he is essentially the villain for the rest of the franchise. He nice. controls the monster through a flute. Uh, because, okay, so like, he's the Lizzo of the franchise. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> the, the, you know, the monster loves music, and he, he knows. And <laughs> so as the franchise goes on, it really becomes kind of Frankenstein's monster and Igor are the two like main guys that you're going to see wow. time and time again. So it goes to Frankenstein. Igor puts his brain into the monster's body. Okay. Which is why Bela Lugosi plays the monster in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Interesting. And originally, the monster was going to speak with Lugosi's voice the entire film. Oh, okay. And they filmed it like that, and audiences who just didn't remember the end of Ghost of Frankenstein were like, what's going on here? Why does he sound Romanian? Different. Yeah. yeah. Why is he different? <laughs> and I can, he- I can hear the heroin on his voice. What is, what is happening? I was very confused. And the other um, interesting aspect of, um, of that, that switch is that the side effect of the brain switch meant that the monster went blind. And so for all of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster is blind. But when they cut out the, you know, all of the scenes explaining that he was actually Igor, they lost the fact that he's blind, which is why whenever people do an impression of Frankenstein's monster, they do it with their arms sticking out and like battering around. That is all taken from that film. That is the only time Frankenstein's monster walks like that. And it's because he's blind and he's stumbling around trying to find his way. I should see these movies. They're great. Wow. Um, Yeah, the the other series that I just want to touch briefly on, I I know we've got to keep an eye on time, is that um, the Hammer series. 
Yeah, tell me about these. So the Universal series makes the choice that the monster is the star. The monster is who we're going to follow through all these sequels. You know, you yeah. have you have Colin Clive for two films, but then it's the, his son, and then it's you know it's other characters taking over the mantle. The Hammer series takes the motto that no, Doctor Frankenstein is our main character, and also he is the villain. He is okay, straight up, um the monster of the films he makes creatures but he is the one going out there and murdering people he is the one who is doing all of the evil the uh, the first hammer frankenstein film is um christopher lee and uh peter cushing as of course most of the hammer films are uh peter cushing plays (laughs) peter cushing plays dr frankenstein and his recurring thing is that he needs bodies for his work and Instead of being a grave robber, he is much more often a murderer. Okay. And a lot of the films end with like him getting ready to be hanged, but then he'll switch bodies with somebody. And he's constantly making new monsters and constantly swapping brains. And they're really great. Good they're grief. really interesting. They're all pretty compelling. A lot of them are kind of similar. I think a lot of the Hammer problems yeah. movies have that problem. but um, They have that issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I would recommend checking them all out. Scorsese says that Frankenstein created woman, which is like the fourth or fifth one is one of his absolute favorite movies, which is a He's choice. A weird guy. It's He's a weird guy. Yeah. He's... <laughs> it's a great film though. It's a, it's all about Frankenstein trying to isolate the soul. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Eventually he stops making monsters that look like monsters and he just starts making people, which is a weird choice for your horror franchise, but. They're yeah, I'm just gonna make more people dramas. So, all right, yeah, I gotta check these out. Uh, now I want to really quick. I just want to talk about Young Frankenstein. Yes, I absolutely love this movie. It is still to this day Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein, one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Agreed. Uh, almost every joke hits. Every performance is off the charts. Great. Uh, I mean, come on, you got Gene Wilder, Madeline Kahn, bless her. Oh. I miss her. I mean, I mean, I love her in anything I've ever seen her in, whether it be this or Blazing Saddles or Clue. Absolutely love her. Good Lord, you have Marty Feldman. <laughs> Damn your eyes. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. Peter Boyle is actually one of my favorite monsters. Yes. I love him uh, in this role. I love Cloris, Cloris Leachman. I love Frau, Frau Buechler. Uh, love her. Terry Garr is great. Mm-hmm. This whole cast is just absolute fire, as the kids say. And it's a movie I love. I can put it on at any time and just have a ball, which honestly is the same case with most Mel Brooks movies. Yes. For me. Uh, he's one of my favorites. I've always loved him. I, basically, I was raised on his type of humor, and it's stuck, and it works Yep, for me. Absolutely love it. Young Frankenstein's great. It's one of the... It's one of those movies where if you know nothing about Frankenstein, you could still have a blast, which I think is the hallmark of a great parody. You could know nothing about any of the things they're making fun of, and you'll still have a good time watching it. And I think what makes it such a great parody is that his love of the Frankenstein franchise just bleeds through the screen. There's Shines so much through. Yeah. verisimilitude to that movie. He used, you know, the machines from the original Frankenstein. Yeah. He, you know, yeah. Got them out of storage. It's like I said, it's mirroring Son of Frankenstein, a film not as many people have seen. And, and I think he knew that. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> I like think Airplane he knew that. And, uh, Zero Hour. Yeah. No one knows about that one. 
But uh, people think it's th- people think airplane is a rip is a is a parody of uh, airport, but it's not really. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, Young Frankenstein is great. Let's move on to the nineties. Yes. Ken Branagh. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> love oh, that guy. No. Uh, yes. Normally, I love Kenneth Branagh. Uh-oh. Uh His Hamlet is terrific. Uh, that's one of my favorite films. This movie is, I said this to you off mic, but it's kind of like Spinal Tap, where everything is cranked up to 11. That is extremely and, uh, true. Oh, man. The acting in this movie <laughs> is uh, insane. Yep. Uh, it, it goes places. When I was a kid, I thought it was a sequel to, to Coppola's film because, you know, they put the author's title, mm-hmm. the author's name, and I was like, oh, it's part of the franchise. And uh, I never really watched it when I was a kid. Uh, De Niro makes some interesting choices as the monster. Yeah. Coppola movie, was not a fan, so he's a producer on the film. and uh, He disowned it halfway through. Yep. And he was like, I do not like what you're doing, young Kenneth. Uh, but let's get into this cast real quick. Yes. Uh, uh, you got Robert De Niro playing... The monster. Yes. Kenneth Branagh, of course, playing the lead, because <laughs> if it's Kenneth Branagh film and he's not playing the lead, you're probably watching Cinderella. I still uh, cannot <laughs> believe he did not cast himself as Odin. Right? It's Great. shocking. But you know that he came up with the Odin hiss. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you're going to growl at Loki, and because uh, that's what I would do. Uh, you have Helena Bonham Carter as, uh, what's her name, uh, as Elizabeth. Yep. Uh, uh Victor's uh, betrothed. Uh, you have uh, Mozart himself, Tom Hulse. Do you know who was who... originally cast in that role? I forget. So I cannot imagine these two actors being up for the same role in literally any other circumstance. So Tom Hulse and who? Christopher Lambert. Absolutely not. <laughs> I the thunder I, the thunder god himself, I, Raiden. I understand. Like I could see Christopher Lambert playing this role, Good and I Lord. see Tom Hulse playing this role. Obviously, I cannot imagine them switching roles in literally any other movie, though. Absolutely. Like, Tom not. Hulse is Tarzan. Christopher yeah, Lambert no. in Parenthood. Actually, that'd be pretty Oof. good. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Uh, you have Ian Holm in this. Yes. Uh, Aiden Quinn of Practical Magic fame. John Cleese. Threw me for a loop yes. uh, with his weird fake teeth. And a which, fake chin as which, well. Which they added to make him look like a serious actor. Which is insane. Which, which okay, Branagh, you're, you're, you're batshit. Well, okay? That wasn't Branagh's I, choice. That was the producers. Branagh wanted to bring uh, Cleese in, and they said, nobody's going to accept him as a serious actor. And he was like, maybe if we put a fake chin on him? And they're like, okay, we accept <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, sure, that'll work. Uh, okay, this movie, oh my god. Nowadays, most people would make a movie like this, and they would be in director's jail forever. Yeah. But, so but it, back then, back then, he made this. It did not do well. It did not. Uh, critically or financially. Uh, and he came back two years later and did Hamlet, which is, in my estimation, one of the best films of the 90s. So, so I think, so this was him. very much a step outside of his comfort level for him. Oh, without a doubt. Like, he had been doing you know, Shakespeare at the time. And, and some small, you know, in, Dead Again was a, a, an independent production. And this was his first chance at doing a big budget, big budget movie. And goddamn, he said... Big budget, and he goes, well, I'm definitely going to focus on the word big. Yes. And everything. In every aspect, uh, from the sets, to the performances, to the the special effects, literally everything about this movie is big. This is, this is a big movie. This is, this is a, I believe you said this, it's a, it's a dumb movie in a smart movie. Yes, it's a dumb movie with smart movie trappings, and I, yes, I actually, I honestly kind of love that about it. It's for 
three quarters of the length of the film. This is a merchant and ivory costume drama, Oscar mm-hmm. Beatty. We are doing a serious adaptation of Mary Shelley's novel. This is yes. just, this is the film of a novel. And look at what we're doing. And, yeah, and it occasionally, you know, edges up to camper over the top, but usually it's it's got both hands just wrapped around the concept of respectability and it wants to be respected and it wants to be art. And then three quarters of the way through the movie Robert De Niro reaches his hand into Helena Bonham Carter's chest and rips out her still beating heart. And, and it's she kind falls of amazing. Off the bed and her head catches on fire. I mean, <laughs> what? A- <laughs> it just becomes lurid nonsense for another like twenty minutes, and it's the best. Oh my god! Okay, uh, De Niro actually has a couple of my favorite scenes in this. That was one of them. Yes. And the other one is when he just looks dead on in the camera and screams Frankenstein. <laughs> I, I will kill. I will have my revenge, Frankenstein. <laughs> I think out of everything in this film, I you know I think there are some miscalculations. Um, oh yes, but I think Robert De Niro is amazing in this movie. I think he he's is good a, and he makes interesting choices. He is for me as a, as a fan of the novel. He is the quintessential. I am capturing the character that you read about Frankenstein's yes. monster. Yes, because uh, fun thing about uh, De Niro, he may phone it in from time to time, but he does his homework. Yes. He's and not he's not a dumb person. I don't love his look. Um, My boy can read. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, the stitched together look kind of harkens back to what I was saying. He doesn't ever feel dead. He feels like somebody, he looks like, you know, the Punisher Pieces. villain Jigsaw. like. Yes, he feels he like somebody who was injured, but you know, stitched back together. He never feels yeah, like a corpse. He's Victor Zaz, basically. But um, from Batman. <laughs> I think you know. I think the easily what is the best scene in the movie is the scene that is just him and Victor in an ice cave, just having a conversation and just, just talking. The pain and the isolation and the anger and the anguish that he feels is palpable and i find that immensely compelling it's good that's a really good scene yeah more so than you know the camera zooming in as branagh is trying to you know do cpr on his dead mother and the camera shocks in every time his hands go down of course because big moves yes it's a big it's a big movie jacob i uh also re-watching it i hadn't seen this movie in a long long time uh, I totally forgot that the last 20 minutes are The Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, so this is... Which, she looks horrific. Yes. I, th- I do not care for this look on The Bride. Oh, I, I actually kind of really like it. I think... Oh, uh, it just creeps me out. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a horror movie. I yeah, think, but oof. Like I said in the... Uh, the This does a similar thing that Coppola's Dracula does, where it purports to be, this is the essential... We are going to make the novel for the first time. Nobody's yes. ever put the novel on screen. And then this movie does it until the last 20 minutes where they're like, eh, until the last it. 20 minutes. And honestly, I yeah, think that's the most successful part of the film. It's wild. Like it's like I said, it's lurid. It's when Frankenstein has just completely lost his mind and lost himself. And he brings Elizabeth back to life and he's just dancing with her and pretending like she's 
totally normal anything like he used to know and he's her feet are barely dragging on the floor and yeah then him and the monster start fighting over and she does essentially the same thing that the bride does in the original and i really you know this is i think something that's interesting is you know her first action is to express this agency over two men who are fighting over her. and she goes yeah i don't want either of your life you know i'm not gonna live a normal human life with the man who did this to me and I'm certainly exactly. not going to live with this incel guy. This thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, again, douses herself in oil, lights herself on fire, and then blows up the house. And I love the fact that she's just... That's a... Okay. Aside from everything, that's a really great Burning Man gag. Yes. Uh, that's a great stunt that they do. And that was really impressive. And I was like, wow, she's running down that hallway for a long time. Yeah. That, that man is on fire forever. Yeah. And bravo. <laughs> I think for, for those 20 minutes, the film gets legitimately unsettling and creepy and psychological yeah. in a way that I think it largely is just shouting themes at you for the first, mm-hmm. you know, hour and a half. And it's literally shouting them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So... In 60s Marvel Comics, there were no periods. No. They didn't use a single period until, like, 1970, and there's, like, a big column that Stan Lee's like, hey, guess what? We're going to start using periods now. Let us know what you think. (laughs) And I think this film was written in that style, where periods just don't exist. Everything is either a question mark or an exclamation point, or generally both. People are just shouting. Ugh. This is... I need to... Okay. I like it. I don't love it. I'm, I'm with one of you those. on that. Um, I, I, I don't think it's as good as um, Coppola's film. I think it definitely doesn't answer the question, why did we make this the way that yeah. Coppola's does? Honestly, I'm surprised it's it leans so hard into the R rating for the last like 20 minutes. It really does. I mean, especially with the heart getting ripped out. Come on. Otherwise, the, oh my God. I could easily see this being a staple in freshman high school classes. Yeah, like, hey, we read Frankenstein. All right, let's put on the Kenneth Branagh version. You'll probably make and fun let's of check it, it out. But you know, it's yeah. it, it captures most of the beats. Yeah, um, it's a it's a movie your English teacher can throw on when he's really hungover. I I I do you know just like Bride <laughs> of Frankenstein, I love the um, you know I think the central part of the novel and the central part of the Frankenstein story is him with the family and learning from the family mm-hmm. and helping the family and almost finding a home. And then losing that. And then they flip out. They don't like it. Right. And I think, you know, that's, it's an easy scene to do. It's an easy scene to make you feel sympathy, but goddamn, it's easy because it works and Mm -hmm. it works every time. It's a movie I'll definitely be revisiting. Just not as much as Bride. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, it, it does not hold a candle to any of the original. Before we leave, what is the Bride, Jacob? Oh, yes. So the Bride. Uh, so, ah, what is this movie that I just learned about today? Yes, yeah, so The Bride, maybe it's less obscure than I think, but I don't know. I kind of tapped into this kind of stuff, and I didn't hear about it for many years. I was in upstate New York at an ice cream shop slash VHS store. I like it already. Yeah, this is like 2011, <laughs> so like, yeah, they were holding on with both hands. And I'm walking around, <laughs> and I, I see a, a VHS tape. And it says The Bride, and it's got a big lightning bolt on it, and it's got a picture of Sting and Jennifer Beals. And I go, what is this? And I pick it up, and it's a Frankenstein movie. And I was like, how have I never heard that Sting played Dr. Frankenstein? 
yeah, what? <laughs> and so I put the tape back. I, you know, I went on with my life for five years. I just, I would, I would occasionally Wikipedia in it and be like, oh, I bet this movie's going to be great. It's on Amazon Prime right now. You can probably just boot it up and watch it. It's I don't recommend YouTube. that, though, because it is truly awful. <laughs> Someone uploaded it to YouTube, and that's how I'll be watching it. Perfect. Uh, Sting is Dr. Frankenstein, who is just a big <laughs> sex creep. And of course. He makes a He's bride Sting. for himself to bone. <laughs> which, sure. I don't know. That's a choice. Um, there's some There's some marginally successful stuff with Clancy Brown playing the original monster. The um the entire film kind of plays as a sequel to Bride of Frankenstein. It's what if Bride of Frankenstein had an immediate sequel. So it, the opening of the film is the creation of the bride. Okay. And then the monster breaks out of the castle and he's kind of on his own and he's just trying to like live a life. And that stuff is actually relatively compelling, but then it keeps cutting back to Sting trying to bone this Bride of Frankenstein he made and that stuff's no good. Jesus. Okay, yeah, I'm going to watch this. Honestly. It's on YouTube. Kenneth I mean, Branagh should have made that one. Oh, because Jesus. Because okay. when I just described <laughs> it, it sounds, like, lurid and gross and at least, like, fun B-movie stuff. But it so it is, sounds like the last 20 minutes of Branagh's film. It is so boring and so... Oh, no. It's, it is trying so hard to be respectable and... It's just a costume drama that just happens to be about Frankenstein. And it's like, you made a movie where Dr. Frankenstein wants to bone his monster bride. Make it gross and dumb. Yeah, come on, you have Sting. What are you doing? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's The Bride. Um, Watch it if you want, but don't. That's my advice. Just watch Bride of Frankenstein and then... Watch all the yeah. other Frankenstein movies. Yeah, because they're way better. Yeah. All right. Real quick, I want to talk about Tom Noonan as Frankenstein's monster in Monster Squad. Great casting. Uh, perfect casting, because Tom Noonan is a character actor who throws himself into every role with all of his power. You've probably seen him in a whole bunch of things. You know, Manhunter, House of the Devil. Last action uh, hero. Last action. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> uh, absolutely love him in that one. Uh, love him as Frankenstein's monster. I, I love the way he says bogus. Uh, multiple times during the movie. Uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, absolutely great. Another great part of Monster Squad, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, and you'll hear about it again next week. I think it's interesting that every time, so often, I think because of the sympathy we have for the monster, whenever they are doing these monster rallies and we do have to be on the side of anyone, it's always mm-hmm. Frankenstein's monster. Of course He's always the good guy. Brought back against his will? Yeah, come on. You gotta, you gotta kind of feel for him. That wraps up this episode. Uh, until next time, uh, where can we find you online, Jacob? I'm at uh, Twitter at Jacob underscore Denoble. That's D E N O B E L, and um, that's about it. All right. As for me, you can find me online anywhere at the Real Matt C. You can also find me over at Talk Film Society, and join us next week. Uh, where we once again remind you that monsters never die when we talk about the Mummy, starring Boris Karloff as well as The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Arnold Vosloo. Stay shocking. Watches never done. Hey!